Hiring the right person to run demand gen is really hard. Plenty of candidates can talk the talk, dropping buzzwords and reciting everything they've learned from thought leaders on LinkedIn and picked up from the podcasts that they listen to. But very few can back up their experiences with an in-depth understanding of what good demand gen looks like in 2022. We've gotten really good feedback so far on our hiring episodes, so we're going to talk through the seven questions we used when interviewing candidates for the demand gen role on our team. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All right. New format. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want, but we're going to change it up today. And we are actually going to read through the seven questions. Uh, I think it was originally a blog post that Gil had written years ago, right? Yeah. Yep. It was I, like I our say top performing. 2016-ish. Yeah, super old. It was here when I got here and it was the top, it was by far, I think the top performing content we had on our website. So when Justin was looking at updating existing content, he saw just how much search traffic that that was getting for, I forget the exact term that it was. I think it was like demand gen interview or demand gen yeah, yeah. questions or something yep. like that. Yep. Uh, and I think just within the last, what, probably six-ish months, uh, we went back through and updated it uh, and it it was a good blog post to begin with, but I think it's a kick-ass blog post now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, this is the thing. I'm not even great. I'm not great at it. You know, I've never been like great at, especially like consistent interviews and like, what questions should I ask? And even though I've been hiring for so many years, like I apologize to all the people I've interviewed out there. <laughs> like um, I'm, you know, I'm still getting better at it. And so having something like this, um, I should have used something like this, you know what I mean, in the past um, or something similar for any role you hire. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's it's good to have some consistency. Uh, so hopefully this will help you, you know, figure out some of those main questions you want to ask uh, everybody that comes through the funnel, <laughs> your hiring funnel. So here's what we're thinking of doing and we'll see how well that we stick to this. But we're going to go through each question and then Jason's going to give his take on what a good answer and bad answer looks like. And then I'll do the same. And then if we both are about to say the same thing, then maybe we'll pass on one of them just so we're not repeating each other. But uh, I think this should be pretty fun. Yeah. And I have not looked at these in since we, we wrote, rewrote the blog it. post. I know. Since we rewrote it, however long that was ago. So yeah, no, it's fresh. It'll come. It'll be really, it'll be like right off the cuff. Yeah. Well, all right, let's play a game then. What are the seven questions? Let's see how well you know. No idea. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I think one of them, I don't even, nope. Nope. I I like that answer better than you trying to fake it and feeling. I was going to try and guess, but like, no, I'll just say, yeah, I have no clue. (laughs) What what are we talking about here? Let's start with the first one. So, Jason, you kick it off first on what a good answer is for this and what you're looking for. So, describe your approach to optimizing campaigns and the metrics you use. Um, cool. So, here I'm looking for, well, A, do they have a process? Because if they've been doing this for long enough, they should. You know what I mean? Because, like, um, we talk a lot about how... If you're not experimenting or optimizing, then you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And so optimization of campaigns should be like, or just of anything, you know, should really be a core capability or skill for a demand gen marketer. And so 
I'm looking for them to jump right in and be like, oh, yes, you know, like an immediate answer, not something. This isn't one that they should have to hopefully think through much. It should just be ingrained in them. So I'm looking for an immediate like, oh, yes, you know, like here's what I do. Um, and of course, when it comes to optimization, we're looking for like, how are you using data? You know, how are you using data to feed back into your optimization? Um, do you think about, you know, how do you think about goal setting even, you know, and what I'm looking for here is, Hey, I'm going to set a goal up here, but I don't think I'm going to be at that goal when it first starts. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, I need to get something out there, see how it lands, and then I need to tweak it and optimize it to get to that point. So I, I like to see, like, how are you thinking about setting that goal? And do you set it in a way where I can see that you're thinking like, hey, I'm not going to get it right the first time. And so then I need to get it out there, get some learnings, and then, you know, optimize it from there, you know, and improve the performance from there. So I'm looking for that kind of mindset. All right. You answered half the question. I'm going to be a stickler. Metrics. What metrics Which, are you looking for? Yeah. Yep. Um so ultimately, I'm looking for them to say that they're ultimately optimizing to revenue, you know. And so uh, if they don't mention that at some point, um, that I'm just trying to think, like, would that be just a complete, like, nope, I, I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. Like, if they don't say, like, yeah, I'm trying to, op you know, ultimately, I'm trying to optimize to what's going to drive the most revenue. Um, but then I want to look to see, do they understand, like, okay, revenue is three to six months down the road because of our sales cycle. So then what am I looking at leading indicators leading up to that? And how do you think about those leading indicators? Um, yeah, but ultimately revenue. Hopefully they're mentioning that. So, all right. I like the answer. I'll give you a, a four out of five. Uh, <laughs> so I would say I'm going to start with the revenue piece first because I think, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to having our own revenue target at, metadata. And I like to think that we're a little bit ahead of the curve than where some other companies are. So if somebody is not measuring themselves against revenue right now, but they have a desire to move down the funnel, like I still look at that as an acceptable answer. Now, mm -hmm. if somebody's going to mention influence pipeline as one of the first metrics that they rattle <laughs> off, then I'm like, uh, okay, you know, let's, <laughs> let's, better understand what they're actually trying to measure because I would never yeah. use influence pipeline in front of our CFO. Um, but as far as optimizing campaigns, I agree with pretty much everything that you said. The, the two things that I would add are their approach to like refreshing creative and how frequently mm. they're looking at that. That was something new to me prior to joining uh, or since joining metadata of just how important that is and the frequency of, of how often people are seeing your ads and how stale the creative can get because it can get stale pretty quickly. <laughs> so I think that's a big thing uh, that I'd want somebody to, to hopefully hit on. And then the other thing is how post-campaign, like what's the, the post-mortem process look like? How mm. are they looking at what truly worked, what didn't work, and how are they going to then share those learnings and incorporate that into the next campaign or campaigns that they launch? Uh, because I think it's, you know, we're guilty of it sometimes too. You just get so bogged down in launch the next thing, launch the yeah. next campaign, get it out the door that you don't ever pause, you know, for a little bit just to figure out what worked and what didn't work. Um, so if somebody mentions that and has a good process for that, one, I want to talk to them and steal that. But two, that's a really good answer in my book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
And I think if there's a way to tell, like, do they just have an optimization mindset in their life? You know, because that's often sometimes too is like, if they're, it's just a general mindset, you know, that like, hey, this is great, but it can probably be better. You know, it's like, it's always like, this is really good, you know, so recognizing that it's good. So first of all, like, you don't want people that just never think they're good enough, right? That's a different issue. But like, hey, it's good enough now. Yeah, it's great now. But you know what? There are some, I can still tweak it and I can get some more out of this. And so, and then, you know, if they think about that in life, you know, as well as in work. um, And I don't know, there's probably some questions you could ask about that to kind of see how they think about it in their personal lives. That is a big plus too. And then, you know, then you kind of know like, okay, it's in their mindset. It's not just like a tactic they do. Yeah. Like the people that use Asana boards for their personal lives. (laughs) <laughs> right there huh. those people do exist uh, all right next question uh so i think this is an interesting one because i have uh my own take on this but which tools do you have experience with what are you looking for out of that question yeah um metadata <laughs> honestly like no um but more recently, actually, we are starting to see people like job descriptions that are asking for metadata ex- expertise, cool. which really makes my day. Um, no, here again, I'm, I'm looking for like the curiosity in the tool, like almost a breadth of the tools and just an understanding of how they think about tools. And so what I'm looking what I'm looking for here, maybe a little bit more leaning to the way I think about it. But I'm looking for people who don't just say like, oh, yeah. I get this all in one tool and it does everything for me, you know, um, and I won't name any tools, um, but, you know, some of them are nonsense, but like, you know, it's like, hey, I, yeah, I just, here's what I do. I get this tool and then I, you know, I use it. So I'm looking more for, because again, I, this is a, a personal thinking maybe, but the way I think about it is um, the best marketers are not using all-in-one tools because they realize like an all-in-one tool is trying to be everything to everybody. And by being everything to everybody, you're nothing special to anyone. And so then the best marketers then would find niche tools that maybe I've never heard about, you know, or um, something. And they understand there's uniqueness somewhere in their funnel and they need a unique tool in that area to be better than their competition. And that's kind of really more what I'm looking for is, again, how they think about the tools, not necessarily the tools that they're familiar with. Of course, that's important. Like if you're in demand gen, you know, B2B demand gen, you should know how to run campaigns in LinkedIn. You know, you should know how to run reports in Salesforce, you know, um, HubSpot, those kinds of things. Um, but really, it's like, how do you think about what's your perspective on the tools you might need to do your job? Um, how do you identify the need for a new tool? Uh, how do you make sure? I'm also looking for people that talk about maximizing the use of tools, you know, because oftentimes we all buy one and then it's like, oh, okay, we've implemented like 15% of it. And then we go buy another tool. The, the same tool could do it, but we go buy another one because we didn't implement that part of it. So, yeah, I'm just looking for like that kind of thinking about like, how do you think about technology? So before I answer, please tell me the nonsense joke was intentional or did that just come to you? <laughs> of course it yeah, okay. was, right. yeah. I, I'm just, okay. No, I'm this just is, making sure. This comes from last night. Yeah, I started, I was like halfway asleep and I started getting some creative ideas that are horrible. Um, and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you about those later. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, oh, that's a series in itself. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I would say for me, 
it comes down to a couple things. And I think the first thing that I'll say comes from getting my start in consulting. So I'm a big people process technology mindset person and technology usually coming last and trying to have a process in place first with some people and then the tool, except oftentimes many marketers pick the tool and pick the tool first, thinking that the tool is going to solve everything else. So I think how they evaluate the need for something and, and when they need something is is a big part of, I think, what a good answer looks like for me. And then the other thing that I would mention, and I kind of pick this up from from you, but I was I, I was thinking like this at my last company too, which is, yes, there are, you know, tools that we're all familiar with that people are using, you know, right now, but there's the next wave of up and coming tools that are in kind of new categories. So I yeah. do love to hear how tuned in they are to stuff that like, you know, let's just say website personalization. We're not there yet, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we've talked about it. And I think we even talked about it with this candidate. It, it's becoming a mainstream tool and there are other categories of tools like it, but you get to see a little bit more into their thought process of how far down the line that they're thinking, because I mean, we like to take demos of tools well before we actually need it just so yeah. that we're aware of what's out there in the market. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So it's not as much about the tools that you know and how you know them. Yeah. So it's more about how do you think about the application of technology to your role? Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and like you just said, not seeing technology as the savior, you know, and knowing that, hey, the savior is us. Like, we got to do the work. There may be some technology out there that'll help support us, but like the main changes have to happen internally. And then the last thing that just came to mind, just because I've worked for uh, previous bosses who have operated like this, but just because they see some, you know, best in breed tech stack of these five things means, oh, we got to go buy all five of those things for this company not actually knowing what your real need is at the end of the day, or if it's even going to work for your business, because so many people just buy what they see and, you know, uh, some diagram out there, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's uh, a Scott Brinker diagram or something else and just say, you know, because Scott Brinker said it, I need it. And he knows what he's talking about, but he also wouldn't recommend that people just buy the same five tools at every single company. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it goes down, it goes back to like knowing where you're at, where that uniqueness is in your funnel, you know, if you think about it that way, and then figuring out what the best, you know, best technology is to apply. Yep. And it could be completely different. Even two companies in the same exact category, you know, um, their stack needs could be different. And so, yeah, just having that kind of like perspective is important. All right. The next two questions are going to be soapbox questions <laughs> that you're encouraged to get on your soapbox. So the first one, do all B2B companies need to be doing ABM? Yeah, and I like this question because this helps us, I don't know if weed out, but understand who really is around buzzwords, you know, and like, and who, and who think, then who actually really thinks about this stuff. And so, you know, ABM has been a buzzword in B2B for, I don't know, what, seven, eight years now, maybe? Um, yeah. And, you know, to the point where CMOs often don't even understand what it is, really. They can't even define it, yet they're saying, we need to be doing ABM. Um, 
And it's easy to say that because you're like, well, of course, we should be selling to accounts, you know, but then you dig in and you're like, oh, they don't really understand what it is um, or when you need to apply it. So a lot of if, if you're a B2B marketer who is like, um, OK, you know, like maybe you're starting out um, or I don't know, like, I don't know. It's just if you say every B2B company should be doing ABM, it tells me that you don't really know what ABM means. Oh, you um, you may true? be able. Oh God, no, no. ABM is not B two B. Yes, yeah. Um, and it's helpful because it, you know, we can at least quickly tell where you are, where you're at in this kind of area. And so, what I'm looking for here isn't. There's no rules, right? So it's nothing like, oh, if you're this and this and this, you don't do ABM. I mean, I'd love it if you had that perspective. So I love it when somebody comes to me like, nope, less than fifty thousand ASP. You know. Uh, and they've got like rules. You don't need to do ABM. And I love to hear, you know, oh, great. Okay. So you've thought about this. You understand that companies can get like a B2B company can get by completely reach a hundred million dollars in ARR easily without doing ABM. Um, and so I'm looking for that really. It's like, and then if they're, and then I'm looking for, do you understand what ABM is too at the same time? So, um, can you, and I don't expect anyone to like be able to like, have a quick, crisp definition. I expect them to kind of, you know, wander around it a little bit. Exactly. Right. Yep. Um, So I expect them to wander around it a little bit, um, but ultimately kind of understand what it is. And even better, if they can just say like, you know, it really isn't anything, you know, like (laughs) if they can say something like, you know, it's really just, it not really, it just talks about good B2B marketing, you know, it's like, or this is just a, very solid approach to B2B marketing, you know, but it's one of many. <laughs> and um, and just that understanding of like, yeah, we're selling to accounts, but still it's people buying, you know? And so, um, yeah, that they don't get lost in like, oh, it's just account-based marketing, you know, account-based marketing. It's all about accounts. Well, yes, about identifying the right ones and making sure you know why, but then it's, then it's about attracting the people, you know, the people there. So, that's really what I'm looking for, you know, not too big of a soapbox on there, but if, and hopefully don't, they don't talk about tools so that if they just talk about, if they go into tools, then it's a loot then I'm like, you lost me. Um, yeah. So I would say a couple things and I'll steal a little from your blog post, but I think it's really accurate in this case is an, it depends answer, or at least <laughs> starting with that is I would say acceptable for most questions uh, because then you can see how people think through it, but it's especially acceptable for this question because (laughs) you then start to see how are they looking at whether ABM makes sense for a given company and industry uh, and the different factors that they're looking at. And then the other thing that I would use as a follow-up question if they say, you know, no, they don't need to be doing ABM, but here's when ABM makes sense is I would ask them to kind of walk me through, all right, how have you stood up ABM pilots in you know, your current job or your past job and hopefully see them start small uh, and mm-hmm. yep. uh, start with uh, you know, a few sales reps and the accounts that they're working on and proving that out before rolling it out to a much larger scale. And again, hopefully not hearing you know, a, a tool as one of the first things that they're doing when they're trying to roll out an ABM because you you right. can do ABM without a tool. It's difficult, oh, yeah. yes, but you don't actually need it. Um, and then I would love if somebody just straight up said no, 
uh, they don't need to be doing ABM <laughs> yeah. and give a, a quick answer. I'd be like, yes, I like this yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So another one where it's a question that you can answer, but through that answer, we're really getting under other understanding of you, you know? Um, yeah, and so uh, this is an important one, I think, for demand gen folks. All righty, here's the actual soapbox one. What are your thoughts on marketing attribution? So do you want to answer this one first? I get all the softballs. So like, so I, I get all the first answers. I yeah, get to, yeah, yeah. Do you want to try I'll, this uh, one first? Yeah, I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll start first here. So I would say if they're wearing that T-shirt that you have uh, that says marketing attribution is made up, I would just hire them <laughs> on the spot. Uh, no, uh, what I would right. actually say is I would start to see uh, like – and I'll just compare it to my own experience. You know, have I used attribution tools in the past? Yes. Have they been any better than what I had using very simple first and last touch attribution? Not really. And it's much more expensive to make that same mistake too. So for a good answer, I'm interested in the type of attribution that they're using and why. And then more importantly, that they're aware of what the limitations are of any attribution that they're using. Cause like there's no perfect attribution model. And as long as they're aware of, <clears throat> Hey, it, it, it does this well, but this is where your blind spots are. As long as they follow it up with that second part of the answer, I think that's a really good answer for me. Um, and then I do like to see, you know, it's, it's more marketing ops, but also demand gen people need to be pretty fluent in this is how they've set it up, you know, using their marketing automation platform and Salesforce or whatever CRM that they're using just to see how uh, technical they might be. Now, oftentimes demand gen managers at early stage companies have to wear the marketing ops hat too. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but I would like to see them be a little technical and at least be able to give requirements to the marketing ops person or just straight up set it up themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm looking for all that. Um, And then to me, it's like almost any answer is okay as long as they back it up like very intelligently. So if I had somebody like, oh, first touch. Great. One of the simplest ones. Sweet. Tell me why, you know, and if they had a good answer, like an intelligent answer of why, like, okay, good. Um, I think what I'm looking for on the negative side are people that either trust it implicitly, you know, like, Oh yeah, I use this platform and we use it to make all of our decisions. Oh, um, because what I'm really looking for is an understanding that the digital touch points that are trackable for attribution are like some of the most lightweight and least impactful activities that can happen in a sales cycle. You know, the more important ones are the word of mouth, you know, like I'm going to go to this forum and I'm going to ask people that are in my same role if they've used this, you know, or if they've done this before or, you know, and so an understanding that, yeah, it's great on the digital side, but man, we're missing out on like some of the most important stuff. So this is how I think about it. Um, So I'm looking for that kind of understanding too, that this like, yep, it's part of the story, you know, and there's part of the story we'll never be able to really understand or connect to this digital part. The two other things that I thought of as you were going through that answer, which I, I think would be like a, a home run answer, are the people who are looking for more of like the qualitative attribution. So yep. have they set up 
self-reported attribution? Yes. Have they yep. set up, uh, you know, gong trackers or some sort of call tracker where they're looking for specific things like how we do with this podcast and other stuff uh, and just see, you know, outside of the stuff that you can report out on, what are the other puzzle pieces that they're trying to measure like qualitatively or just like collect qualitatively to paint the full picture because it's imperfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and an understanding of, yeah, of that stuff. Yep. Uh, I have no idea what you meant by this question, so I'm going to wing it, but I'll answer first. What are some non-standard things you've done for your demand gen campaigns? Uh, I know that you said you're looking for something that you've never heard of here, but, uh, I like to see like not something that you typically do in, you know, paid campaigns. Very rarely is there crazy experimentation or something new in paid campaigns. I think it's more, uh, you know, maybe something that you did around an activation or uh, an offsite event at a big trade show or something, you know, around the event, like the, the uh, bus that we just did Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, I forget which trade show that was and more just kind of creative, almost like I hate the term, but like guerrilla marketing almost (laughs) uh, just to see one, how crazy are they thinking about, you know, new campaigns of stuff to try. And I wouldn't ever expect those things to really succeed. Uh, Mm -hmm. If they did succeed, great. I just want to see that somebody's down to try crazy shit and knows that it might not fail and will forget about it quickly and have a short memory Mm -hmm. about the fact that it failed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, what I'm looking for here is, you know, we know that MarTech is like super crowded and everybody you know, if you're a lay marketer, you're like, man, all these tools sound like they do the same thing. And so what we know, you know, you and I know that to win in MarTech, you can have you can have the absolute best tool in your category and not win um, because you didn't get out there. You didn't get it out there in front of the right people at the right time, fast enough, in the right way, clear enough, differentiated enough. So standing out is what helps. And so what I'm looking for here is just an understanding that like, you know, we're in this crowded MarTech space. We might sound the same as a company in a completely different category. So it's confusing to people. So how do we win in that kind of a a world? Um, And looking for them to say, we've got to stand out and we've got to be different. And so maybe, and maybe we can, maybe I ask the question in a different way. You know what I mean? Because like maybe they haven't done something super exciting in the past. Um, but like, how do they think about it? You know, and do they understand that? Do they understand the importance, I guess, of marketing and being different in marketing when it comes to MarTech? And there might be other industries too where, you know, same thing where you got to be different. But like, man, MarTech, there's 9,000 tools. You know, it's like, that it seems super crowded. Um, so yeah, I'm looking for, do you understand that? crowdedness and do you understand how like marketing can really help marketing can actually take the a bad tool and make it the number one you know number one revenue generator um and it's happened a lot of times in the past um and so so yeah just that understanding and do you have and then can you then how do we and then what do you do you know like so you have that understanding and then do you have some interesting ideas that and we want to come and we want people that'll have ideas that are in the sphere of crazy, but still within our 
our cultural, like our acceptable, you know, amount of crazy. And so I think I'm, I'm looking for people that kind of like, oh, I understand the place you're at in the market now and you can't do things like, you can't do really nuts things because you're already, you know, you've got, you've established this, what people expect from you. So you can't go too far out of that, but there's still room in there to play in that like surprise, you know, surprised element um, space. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for. For a bad answer, one of the things that came to mind for me are people who try to recycle playbooks that they've used at previous companies because I don't know if I've ever seen a playbook from a previous company work exactly the way you think it will at your next company. So Mm -hmm. they're just trying to recycle things that they've already done before and be like, hey, it worked here. It's going to work here. Um, That's a big red flag for me too. Yeah, and honestly, for a demand gen role, you should have you should do a lot of research before you get onto these interviews and just have some ideas already of like what you would do differently, you know, from what is what you already see either on the website or in ads or on social. Um, so make sure you come into these interviews prepared. You know, don't come in like and we ask now, like I ask, hey, have you heard about metadata before? Especially as a demand gen person. And honestly, at this point, if you're a demand gen pro, I, this is going to sound weird. But if you're a demand gen pro and you haven't heard about metadata and you're applying for one of our jobs, I'm going to be like, where do you hang out then? Because we're all over LinkedIn, you know, like, yeah. and we target people, anybody with a demand gen title. So um, have you done your research? You've probably fed them with a DoorDash gift card. In all <laughs> yeah, they've, but... they've got a hundred bucks from me already. <laughs> so like, yeah, what else do you want? You know. <laughs> um, so you mentioned something uh, that I think uh, was not planned in this outline, but I do want to talk about it here because I think it fits perfectly. So we don't have to say the name of the person, but it was a candidate that we were interviewing for this role and they did something crazy tactic wise in the interview <laughs> process. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, so we had somebody that ran ads <laughs> to us individually, I think. And it was pretty like, I don't even, still to today, I know this person ended up getting their LinkedIn account banned for like a week because of how they targeted us. But like, holy hell, we were like, what is, I, I, I remember I said to you, like, do you see this? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> am I like, seeing this, this right? Nuts. Yeah. It was like literally an ad. Hey, Jason, you know, like you should hire me. I'm like, wait, what? This is in the ads, the ad area of LinkedIn. I'm just like, whoa, that's fantastic. You know? And so like. Yeah, that was a pretty, uh, that's never happened to me before in my career, ever. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, that was sweet. That was cool. All righty. Uh, so burn your LinkedIn account, you know, yes. for a job. <laughs> totally <laughs> acceptable. Take one, one thing away, take that away. Uh, next question. I'll let you start with this one first. What's your experience with audience building and how do you build audiences? Yeah. Um, this one, again, I'm looking for, I'm looking for people who think, who, I'm looking for people who understand that targeting is like one of the most important things in B2B advertising, in paid advertising. Um, you know, because, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to go through the whole reason. They, they, they understand why it's so important, you know, to like be interesting and do interesting targeting and test targeting and just not be satisfied. You know what I mean? With like, if somebody comes in and say, oh, yeah, um, you know, I, I look at the industry and, you know, the job title and, um, number of employees, you know, amount of annual revenue. I'm like, oh, so nothing. You know, like you're so you, you have nothing in there, basically. Um, so if they start with that and they, they, they end with that, it's like, okay, you don't, you don't really know, you don't understand the value and the importance of targeting. 
Um, what I'm looking for is digging down into layers deeper. Oh, you know, oh, this is where I start. And then I layer on intent. And oh, I understand the intent differences between a Bombora and a G2 and, you know, how I would use those differently. And then, oh, oh, I understand technographic data. You know, like I can I can understand, you know, so I'm looking for the the understanding that there are just massive sources of data out there, you know, that doesn't, that aren't just like sales navigator and zoom info, you know, um, that you can tap into and just, and then if you're taking data from several places and you're putting it together yourself, that's like the Holy grail is that you're not just relying on a tool. You're saying, Hey, if I just use this tool then I'm doing the same thing as everybody else using this tool. So I understand the importance of targeting in B2B and I have a unique perspective or I do this in a unique way. Um, now, if, they, if they've done something as awesome as scraping websites for intent data on their own, then I'm like, oh, shit, you really get it. Um, uh, or if they're like curious about finding new sources of data or creating their own, then I'm like, okay, this person really gets it. You don't have to be that far, you know, like that's really advanced. But if you kind of understand, you know, you're out of the firmographic, you know, and you're into the other ones, I think that's the most important. So a couple things just to fill in, because I'm pretty sure we would say the same exact thing. I'll start with the bad answer first. Uh, people that use audience expansion. Uh, so <laughs> that's actually a very loaded question. And if they answer that incorrectly, then it's, you know, another big red flag. for That's me. how I get so many leads. You'd have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but it's asking questions to understand like what makes a good customer like for metadata. So specifically ads and ad count, you know, on different channels and how to find that information. And, you know, they may not have the, the data source ready to, target those people, but if they're at least asking those questions and they're curious about what are other data points that we could potentially find ourselves or scrape and then turn that into targeting criteria, that's more unconventional and not being used by, you know, your direct competitors. Because I, I want to be told stuff that I don't know right now. Yeah. And like you just said, you said an important word, competitors. If you're using all of the standard targeting, then guess what? You're probably targeting the exact same people as all your yeah. competitors and you're not giving yourself like the outskirts of that Venn diagram. You know what I mean? You want to be over here and like getting onto the people that, oh, you're just kind of on the edge, but your competitors probably aren't getting in front of. And so really the only way to do that is by having something, some special, unique way of doing it for yourself, you know, that maybe combines several sources, but you're still, you know, you're not just relying on one source that everybody else is. Last question. And then we're done for uh, the soapbox episode. So, would you say you are more creative or analytical? What are you looking for? Yeah, this one I just, um, I don't know if I'm going to keep asking this, but because I don't know if I get, a, you know, I don't know if I how I really use this. Because, like, honestly, you could say either one as long as you've got a, a mix of both. You know what I mean? I think is the the real thing here. So, if you're like, oh yeah. Um, I use data I to drive 100. I can 100. tell you what you wrote in the blog post. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer you're looking for, it, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's in the blog. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll see how close I am or maybe I've shifted. Um, I'm, 
Yeah, I'm looking for the mix. So, like, if somebody comes in, they're like, oh, yeah, I make 100% of my decisions based on the data. Hmm. No. You know, like, there's no gut in there, you know? Uh, you don't understand attribution then, you know what I mean? So then I'm like, okay. But then the other side of the spectrum would be, oh, yeah, no, I just do what I think looks good. And, like, and then, you know, I don't really look at the data because it's going to work. So I'm looking for something, I think, in the middle, which is, um, oh, you know, I really like to be creative, but... And I like to come up with new ideas, but I, I'm always looking at how those are performing. You know, I'm looking at what are the results. I'm using that to feed data back in so I make something different next time, you know, and I'm, I'm shifting it. I'm not always doing the same thing and having to learn the same mistakes over and over. So I'm looking for the mix, you know, of like a hybrid answer on that one. Is that what I said before? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's almost like you just read the okay. blog post. Yes, no, you're right. Uh, right. So I would say... Like for me, and it, it really depends on the makeup of the marketing leader, but I would almost try to hire someone who maybe fills a, a little like skill gap. So if you're super, super analytical as the marketing leader, do you need to hire another super, super analytical person? I mean, you could. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, but I think I would try to hire for a skill gap so you have different perspectives. I think that's what would be most important for me. And then I think, you know, even I probably put myself in this this bucket, but I'm more creative than I am analytical, but I'm naturally curious about numbers. So like I still know the questions to ask and the, the types of things to be looking for. Now, I can't always do the analysis myself, but if you can at least talk the talk and know what to ask about, that's good enough for me. Yeah, yep, yep. So... This one is like, it's kind of a softball question for people because there's really no right or wrong answer. I think it's just, we're really looking for people that understand, you know, why both are important, you know, and how you use both together. Um, like you don't err too far on one side or the other because uh, the answer is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. Well, we just ran through all seven questions. I would say that was fun and uh, wasn't just us reciting the blog post. So I thought that was pretty good. What'd you think? Yeah, no, this is fun. I mean, uh, it's always good to kind of think about these things because like I said in the beginning, you know, you get to hiring and sometimes you don't have a, you know, standard set of questions or you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm not getting the right, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm 45 an hour long interview and I'm not, you know, I'm leaving it and not having a clear understanding if it's the right person. So I think it's just, you know, the most important thing is to have questions identified ahead of time um, and have those questions be ones where it's touching on the things that are important to you and how you think about marketing, you know, uh, to make sure that that person is going to be able to expand on what you've done already, you know. Um, um, but then also, like you said, you want to bring in somebody that has some different thoughts too. So if you just bring in, this, you know, oh, we think the same way on this. Great. Well, you're just extending yourself versus getting new ideas, new approaches, new potentials, you know, into the team. So I think that's the other thing, too, is be OK with it being not somebody that's exactly like you or thinking exactly like you and make sure you set up those questions so that there's room for those answers. Awesome. Well, we've been getting some good feedback on DGU lately, so keep questions and topic suggestions coming on LinkedIn or replying to the emails that we send out weekly. So we appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week on Demand Gen U.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use Metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter. 